Welcome to Wealth Matters Podcast. I'm your host, Alpesh Parmar. Today, I'll be interviewing Chris Miles, the cash flow expert. Chris is a leading authority teaching entrepreneurs and professionals how to quickly free up and create cash flow. Today, spending time doing what they love most. Welcome, Chris. How are you today? Fantastic. How are you doing? Good. Thank you. Thanks for uh, you know coming on the podcast to record uh, on Friday. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm ex- I'm excited and looking forward to this. This is gonna be fun. Yeah, me too. And I, I've already done this strategy as well. Of course, we'll jump into it when the time comes. But what do you do, Chris? Yeah, you know, I'm basically a cash flow expert and I'm an anti-financial advisor. Um, so, you know, you get people out there teaching you how to, you know, put money away for the long haul, right? You know, uh-huh. save, it, save it in mutual funds, keep it in there forever, of course. <laughs> all that kind of stuff, right? You'll pay off all your debt like good boys and good girls and hopefully someday you'll, you'll be financially free, right? And be able to retire. Exactly. And uh, I, I taught that actually in the early 2000s. I actually used to teach that. Did that. Oh, you would. Yeah, I was, a, I was a traditional conventional financial advisor you, you would talk to for about four years in the early 2000s. And, and in the mid-2000s, I realized that there were millionaires out there that would scoff at that kind of advice. They would just make fun of it, right? right. They'd say, that's dumb. Like, you know, high risk creates high returns. They're like, that's so stupid. Like, like that's, that's how you lose money. It's, it's people that exactly. want you to take all the risks that tell you to take high risk, you know, and, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. And when I started to see through it, I realized like, yeah, I can't be in integrity and teach this stuff anymore. And so I actually stopped teaching it. And, uh, and then that was in 2006, March of 06, I quit being a financial advisor at the height of my practice, vowed never to teach about money again. Oh. And then uh, I started learning from these friends of mine that were millionaires. So they're like, Hey, how do you guys do this? And, and they were always focused right. on cash flow, right? Like right. Of cash course. flow. It's never about accumulating money in a mutual fund and then living on the interest. It was always about generating cash flow, whether it be through business or investments. Exactly. And, and so I started to do that. And actually in July of 06, that, that was the first time I was able to retire when I realized, wait, with these residual streams of income I created through my own business, I was able to retire, you know, and then nice. started doing other awesome. investing off after that as well. And, and, and so that's kind of why I'm an anti-financial advisor because I'm telling people to do the opposite. I'm telling them to not invest for the long haul, but instead, how do we create cash flow today? How do we free up cash right now and, and even increase passive income and things like that so that you work because you want to, not because you have to. That's a, that's a good choice to have. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I preach as well, right? I mean, see, you, you are working because you are passionate about it, not that you have to work to pay the bills, right? <laughs> right. And that's, and that's what happened to me too because, you know, I, I remember I, I was teaching ballroom dancing in 2006. That's what I wanted to do at that time. But, uh, but there's people that kept asking me, well, how did you do it, Chris? And so it was fine. In 2007, I came out of retirement to teach people how to, you know, get out of the rat race, so to speak. And that is interesting. Yeah. So what do you actually teach? What, um, how does that work? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I basically teach two things. I mean, one is how do we be more efficient with expenses, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes I get people with debt. Sometimes they don't, you know, if they have debt, we figure out like, Hey, how can we, get it to where we free up cash flow. You know, just, just this week, in fact, I got somebody where we're consolidating debt and we're freeing up about $1,200 a month. 
You know, it's like, cool. That's 1200. We can go and invest instead, you know, instead of putting towards our loans and, and uh, you know, there's taxes, like there's lots of ways to free up money on taxes and stuff like that. Like I've, I've had some people where we've freed up anywhere from 10 to 20,000 or even in some cases over a hundred thousand in a year on taxes. That's Um, amazing. So find ways to reduce, you know, unnecessary expenses like that um, and be more efficient, but also um, find ways to create passive income. And so like, like I had a client where, you know, she was, you know, she had gotten divorced and she said she was a business owner in the sense that she was going to be ramping up her business, but she was in her mid fifties. And she said, you know, I don't want to ramp up my business. I want to ramp out of my business. I want to get out of this. And so, you know, we focused on some things to do with the cash that she had. We, you know, we refinanced some homes and stuff and got some cash to invest and, you know, got her to, to create an additional $3,000 a month of passive income which allowed her to be able to retire. And she actually went and retired to Bali the last couple of years. That's amazing. That's yeah. I, I would want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, the pictures I see on Facebook are pretty envious. I got to tell you that, you know, I'd like to travel, but you know, she's, she's definitely living, living a pretty cool life out yeah. there in Bali. That's, a, that's awesome. So, um, how, where do you invest or how do you do this? Like personally? Yeah. I mean, I always tell people they always have their own special recipe, you know, like, cause you should always invest in things that you know. Um, and as well as things that, that light you up, things that make you excited or that you actually really enjoy digging into. Um, so I always tell people when I have them, you know, create a game plan, we try to figure out what that game plan is to get them to retirement, right. To in the next five to 10 years, for example, you know, we're trying to find what's, what's right for them. So my path is might be different than other people's. In fact, it usually is. Right. Um, for me, like, uh, I mean, I, like outside of my business, I love investing in real estate. I particularly like turnkey real estate, you know, buying turnkey rentals because uh-huh. I love the fact that with turnkey rentals, not only do I make the cash flow, which can be a great rate of return, way better than the stock market, but, but I'm also getting three other types of returns too, because, you know, I'm yep. getting the renter paying down my mortgage, which builds equity. Yep. Depreciation. Like, I call that phantom cash flow. Yeah. Um, I get tax advantages on the income I do receive. Yeah, and that's depreciation. Yep. yep, depreciation. And then, of course, appreciation, right? Yeah, yeah. Which, that's even a bonus. That's gravy, too. And Right. When you look at it, it's hard to beat the returns on that. I mean, you can yep. beat the returns with, you know, active streams of income and such. But, I mean, when it comes to passive, I mean, it's really hard to beat turnkey real estate investing, you know? I agree. And that's why I preach about real estate. Actually, 50% or over 50% of my investment is in real estate. In one way or other, it could be turnkey, multifamily, self-storage, syndication, mobile home parks. Right. So it gives me diversification too. Yeah. There's so many options in that realm. That's what's awesome. Um, One I'm even looking for this year too, because I want to get the tax breaks is oil and gas. Yes, oil. I can get 100% write off on whatever I invest in oil. You know, so you, you and I uh, think alike. I'm this year. <laughs> I'm looking at oil and gas as well. So you, we should connect. I have absolutely used to. I'm talking to a couple of oil and gas partners as well. That if you are, we can share notes. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. No, there's there are great opportunities out there for sure. And on top of getting the tax write off, you get a nice return. That's potential yes. too. So. Yeah, there's, there's so many great things. I mean, notes, I mean, there's notes I'll invest into. Exactly. I do too. Yeah. So, I mean, there's lots of things that way, but yeah, I mean, the business was always the easiest one because business, I could create the fast income, the fast cash flow quickly and residual income streams. But, um, but I also like, I don't like to 
you know, rely even, even if it's residual or passive streams of income through my business, I never want to rely a hundred percent on my business. And so that's why I do the investing too. Exactly. I, I see the point. Hey, so uh, we are going to change the gear and um, I want to talk about life insurance because everyone thinks life insurance is a scam. Why would I even get life insurance? I, mean, so I, I did because I understood the concept, the cash building savings account or accelerated savings account, whatever we want to call it. But, you know, whenever I speak with my friends or anyone, uh, any colleagues, uh, they, they always think, oh, life insurance is a scam. The money you sure. put in, you, you lose the money. And either if it's term insurance, yeah, you get a much bigger, uh, pay, you could get a much bigger payout, uh, but then you lose everything. And if it's whole life, how does it work? And why would I pay so much money into whole life, etc.? So uh, why life insurance? You know, the people that say it's a scam, I mean, in some ways, they're not too far off the truth, you know? <laughs> um, especially if you do it the way that everybody's been teaching how to do it, you know? And, and so, I mean, like you, you get the Dave Ramsey's out there that, that teach you to basically live cheap and get that second job work delivering pizzas and <laughs> pay right. off all your debt. Yeah, he's definitely not the model you want to use to become financially no. free, right? Um, he's good if, you, if you're a horrible spender. But, yeah. uh, but I know a lot of people I talk to, they're, they're not spenders. They're, a lot of times, they're often great savers. But they're saving in the wrong places, you know, or they're saving in mutual funds and 401ks and IRAs and things like that. And they're not learning how to, to leverage money. And you got to, to really create financial freedom. I mean, you got to look at investments outside of anything a financial advisor offers you, you know. And so and that, and I'll tell you, it doesn't matter if it's life insurance, mutual funds, whatever. There is no way that those things alone will ever get you financially free. It's no. impossible. You know, you run the numbers. I mean, unless you live super, super cheap later on, um, um, then it's, it's just not going to happen. You can't save enough into those kind of, those kind of vehicles to do it. Nope. So, and this is why, you know, even those from the investor perspective, like where I come from, they'll say, well, I'll just buy cheap term and then invest the difference. And I'll, and I'll go do the real estate investing and things like that. And, and that's one method you can use and it, it can work. Right. Um, I mean, outside of the needing a death benefit, especially if you end up getting a very big estate because you end up, you know, creating a lot of assets, you, you'll need life insurance anyways to pay off taxes and bills and things like that, right? Yep. Um, but here's the thing is that um, the way I teach it is very different because, you know, you see, you see different life insurance out there. So the cash value of life insurance like you're talking about, there's two types. There's, there's universal life. Yep. So you hear things like IULs and IUL. things yeah. like that, right, are more popular now. Funny enough, I, I sold IULs before they got popular. Oh, wow. Back, back when I was a traditional financial advisor. Um, IULs are interesting because they're basically term insurance with a cash value component. So it, when people say buy term and invest the difference, you're actually doing that with an IUL. The problem is, though, is that those term insurance costs go up each and every year. So... You buy, you know, so you think about it because obviously every year you get older, you're more likely to die. So insurance costs go up. So if you don't make a good return off that money right away, and, and they're just basing off of very moderate in stock market type of returns, you follow the stock market and those kind of things, you know, even then, I mean, if you don't say, say the market goes down and, and even some of those, you might earn zero or 1%, you know, if, if the market goes down. So at least you don't lose money in the market like a VUL would. Um, but in those IULs, the problem is that if insurance costs are going up and you only make zero or 1%, it 
it's possible you could lose money because the cost of the insurance are more than the actual returns, Whoa, right? Oh, I see. Lose money in those. Um, so they say, yeah, you can't lose money in it. Like, well, you can't lose interest, but you can lose overall cost. Like you can actually lose debt. Um, so you have to be careful. And a lot of times I've seen people with those policies in their 50s and 60s say, hey, it's not going up anymore. It's going down now because now they're getting older. Uh, so you got to be careful of those. And I, and I used to sell those, but whenever I trained other financial advisors on how, to, how, to, how they worked, I realized there's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of complexity that, that made them work in a great market. Like if you could have got in 10 years ago in the stock market and did an IUL, you're probably thinking they're awesome right now because the market went straight up almost for those entire 10 years. Um, but you get in now at the height of the stock market, it's like the worst time to get an IUL, you know? So that's another uh, issue too. Um, whole life, whole life used to have a bad rap. I used to, I used to hate whole life. I used to, I used to tell people don't ever get whole life, horrible returns, two or 3%. They're dumb. You shouldn't get that yeah. chicken IUL or a VUL cause you'll make more money or, you know, buy mutual funds instead. Right. Well, what I didn't know is that that's true. If you do whole life, the old traditional way that most insurance agents will do it. And that's, just, and when Dave Ramsey says they're a waste of money, he's kind of right because for me, what happened was uh, in 2006, I bought a whole life policy from someone that told me, hey, you can create a whole banking policy from this, but you're going to need to wait 5, 10, or 15 years before you have a significant amount of cash to use. And I oh. asked him point blank. I asked him up front. I said, hey, can't I, you know, couldn't I just uh, overfund these? Right. And, and he said, no, if you do, it'll become taxable. So you can't do it. So I, I took him for his word. And uh, two years later, of course, we're in the recession, right? I couldn't afford to pay the premiums. I had paid already 25,000 into them and I only had a couple hundred bucks. Oh my and God. So when I couldn't make the premium payments anymore, I lost it. It used up the cash value really quickly right. when I couldn't make the premium payments and it was gone. I lost like 25 grand for nothing. And it made me so mad. And I thought, well, I guess that's just what happens, you know, but I found out later that year I could have overfunded it and it would never have lost the policy had I done it the way I do it now. And, uh, and I got mad. I actually had a two-hour debate with the guy telling him why he should have done it that way. And the only reason, what it came down, I, I beat every one of his objections for why he should have it, like more in death benefit and this and that, right? Yeah. But it came down to is he wanted to make more commissions. It was the, it was the money is the reason uh, why he wouldn't do it. That's even worse. So I vowed never to send him a person again. I started teaching people how to actually bank these and bank them even better than the infinite bankers out there because most infinite bankers, so my, my policy in the first year was zero in the first year, almost zero in the second year, and then finally made money in the third year. And an infinite banker usually will get maybe half your money in the first year, and then the second year you get a little bit more, and pretty soon after like seven years or so, whatever you've put in, you now have in cash value, which is better. That's better than waiting 17 years. Seven's yes. better. But the way I teach people to do it, you can do it in five. And Pretty you can close. get about 75% of your cash in within the first year. So basically cutting costs by like 75% on the insurance side, allowing you to stuff in money. Now here's what's important about that. One, and I don't care about getting huge death benefits. We can always buy more term insurance if we want more death benefit. But I wanna make money twice. I, I don't use this as like just life insurance. I use this as a, as a supercharged savings account. Because if I can get almost all of my money in right away and have access to it immediately, right? 
Yeah. Um, and by the way, after, you know, when I hit the third year, I'm actually making money on my policy. So it's, I'm, I'm putting in money. So say that same 25,000, I put in 25,000, I'll probably make 25, five, 26,000 that third year I'm making, it's like free insurance. It's, but here's the difference. This becomes like a savings account that now is making a much higher return than my savings account at the bank. And it's tax free. It's also hidden from creditors and lawsuits. So if somebody sues me, they can't get access to my money. So can you, um, can you explain all three of those? Uh, like, what do you mean by this uh, supercharged savings account and making way more money than regular savings account? Yeah. So I mean, most people will put, keep money in their savings account to then turn around and go and invest, right? right. Checking your savings. You know? So they make point nothing percent in their savings account uh -huh. or nothing in their checking account. And then they, even if the, whatever interest you do make in that bank, a bank account, you're getting taxed on it. So that say you true. make 0.2% in the bank account with the money you're having sitting there, and then you get taxed on that 0.2%, you basically make nothing in nothing. that bank, yes. right? Your hope is get it out there and invest it. Well, for me, for my investments, I want to dump as much as I can in my life insurance because I know I can net about a 4% or more rate of return tax-free on my life insurance but I can access it just like a savings account. And when I get, and when I use it, the cool thing is I can actually get a line of credit from my, my insurance company. That's private. It's not on your credit report. I can get a line of credit against it just like you would with a HELOC, right? With a home equity line of credit, but I do it against my savings and my cash value of my life insurance. I get a loan from them and I could take that money and invest it. But at the same time, the difference is because if you liquidate your savings account at your bank, you don't make any interest on that. You just make interest nope. on the money you invest. But when I do it with this way with my life insurance, I can borrow from the insurance company, leaving all of my money in there to compound and grow tax-free. And then I'm making money on my investments. So say I buy a real estate property, right? Um, say I put a down payment on real estate property. My cash and cash return on that property is 12%. The cool thing is if I borrow it from my life insurance, the life insurance, the full money is still growing compounding. So I might be making 12% cash on cash return on my real estate, but I'm also netting at least a 3% rate of return tax-free in my life insurance. Therefore, I'm making 15% total between the two. So what you're saying is that your money is working for you in two different places at the same time. Exactly. That same money is now working in two places at the same time. I'm doing the same thing the bank does. I'm trying to create as much leverage as possible. So am I also not paying the interest back for my loan? No, you'll pay back interest um, whenever you feel like. <laughs> That's the nice thing. When, when you take that line of credit, um, there is no monthly required payment like you would with a home equity line of credit. You know, mm -hmm. um, you pay it back however, whenever you want. Um, they do charge you interest, but at the same time they're charging you interest, they're also paying you interest too. Yes. You're able to... In, in, in many cases, you're actually able to make more interest than what you're paying the, the interest on the insurance or, or to the interest to the, uh, to the loan. So how does that work? So let's say um, you are saying that the insurance company or life insurance company is giving me dividend or interest on my money uh, at 4% or 5%. And then when, mm -hmm. I'm, uh, when I need to pay the interest back on my loan, I'm paying three, four, five percent. So I'm able to create an arbitrage. Is that what it is? Exactly. Yeah. The thing you have to understand is that there's two types of interest rates out there. There's compound interest that grows as it grows, right? It's kind of like a snowball, almost like an avalanche. 
And then there's simple interest, which has the opposite effect, which goes down. You know, to give you an example, if you had a $200,000 mortgage that you had for 30 years at 4.5% interest, you would pay $164,000 in interest over those 30 years. Right. Now, now, the savers, the Dave Ramsey fans would say, well, if you got $200,000, pay off that mortgage because you'd save $164,000 over 30 yes. years. <laughs> right? But what they don't realize is that even if you took that same $200,000, and say you put in a CD that paid you 3.5%, which my bank actually pays 3.5% CD right now. That 3.5% on $200,000 after 30 years earns $361,000 of interest. Compounded is, because it's compounded. Yep. Exactly. That's $200,000 more than I paid at a 4.5% interest on my mortgage. Now, most people think, wait, you earn 3.5% on your, on your money but you paid four and a half on your mortgage, you should have lost money. Right. Nope. Because that, like you said, the compound interest. Over time, compound interest compounds. Where simple interest over time, the interest declines. It has an yes. inverse relationship. So if you understand that, you would understand, hey, well, if the insurance company, say they charge you 5% interest, like you were saying, right, mm -hmm. on the loan. Well, and, and, and I'll use a real example. I, took, I actually took example of, a single family home and a duplex, right? Okay. Um, the down payment on that was 95,000 between the two properties. Cash flow on those properties is 1,070 a month. Now, if you just went and liquidated your, your savings or checking account, you would, you would liquidate the 95,000. You would right. use that 1,070 cash flow a month to rebuild your savings again so you could reinvest, right? Yep. Well, I'm doing the same exact strategy, but instead I'm putting that, I'm actually taking a loan out for my life insurance of 95,000 and then I'm taking that 1,070 of cash flow and using that to pay towards the loan. Uh, I see. Now if I do that strategy, this is what happens. Compared to the, the savings account, I end up making an extra, over 10 years, I end up making an extra $21,386. Wow. And that's even if I'm only earning 4%, right? Right. So even if I'm only, only earning 4% and I'm paying 5%, I still make above and beyond what I'd make with my savings account, an extra $21,000. That's an extra 22.5% ROI on top of the ROI I was already making. <laughs> right. That's the beauty of it because you get to move the money through. You're making, I mean, think about it, $21,000, that's, that's another down payment on a single family home. You, that's an extra single family home you could be cash flowing and making money on right away just by changing where you put your savings and how you use it. Yeah, I agree. So uh, you also mentioned about tax-free. Mm -hmm. How does that work? Is that the same as non-MEC, non-MAC policy? Yeah. So yeah, when you have a, a non-MAC policy, which just means you keep within certain guidelines, mm -hmm. um, it, it's very much taxed like a Roth IRA. Okay. The difference is that, because uh, you do put in after-tax dollars, right? Right. Um, but it grows tax-free, and then you can access a lot of that money tax-free. Um, the, the cool thing with that, that's better than the Roth, is that with a Roth IRA, you know, we're, we're limited. You know, we're limited to like, you know, $6,000, $7,000 a year, depending on your age. Right. With, with a whole life insurance, I've got some clients that only do $5,000 a year, but I've got other clients that are putting in $500,000 a year. Oh, wow. Um, one's actually uh, now retired. He's, he's just doing investments, but he's a neurosurgeon, a uh, retired neurosurgeon that, he was dumping in a half million a year into his policy because he's like, wait, 
for him, I mean, think about it. He's worth, you know, several million dollars. His big worry, of course, is lawsuits. You know, people that can get to his assets because the bigger he gets with his investing, the more likely he's a target. Well, when he realized, he's like, wait a minute, if I can put this, so, so if I'm financing, let's say, you know, buys a single family home or a duplex or even a fourplex or apartment building, right? You know, he's going to be putting down 20 or 25% and letting the bank finance the rest. Yes. So his money, his equity that's at risk is that 20 or 25%, right? Yeah. But then he said, wait, Chris, if I borrow from my life insurance company, you know, basically, basically my borrowing from my, my own money indirectly, right? Uh-huh. If I'm able to borrow that money from the insurance company for that 20 or 25% down payment, that means that pretty much I own nothing, correct? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You own nothing. Um, if it's a business, if you use it for business purposes, you even write off the interest you pay towards the insurance company anyways, right? So you get an extra leverage. Yes. Um, and yeah, it's all tax-free. It's all protected. And, and, and you're able to dump in so much more cash you can with a Roth. I mean, like, like in his case, he can dump in a half million a year. Um, a lot of people I have, they'll dump in at least 25 to 50,000 a year. And, and the cool thing is the way I structure it, if the, anything happens where you can't do that max amount, we all, I always reverse engineer. So I figure out what the max is we're going to put in. But if something comes up where you can't do that, the cool thing is usually the minimum is about one quarter, or whatever the max is. So if the max you put in is a hundred thousand a year, the minimum's 25,000. If the max is 25,000. You could probably put in about 6,000 or so, right? Uh, makes sense. That makes it easier for you if, you know, if uh, during a year you can't make the max payment. Yeah, very flexible. Yeah. Very flexible. And oh, and by the way, here's the cool thing because one of the things people don't like about whole life insurance is that the nice thing is the payments stay the same your whole life in normal situations. Um, but, uh, but what they don't like is a lot of times you do pay your whole life. So even though with inflation, that's good because your payment stays the same, kind of like having mm-hmm. your mortgage payment. Right. Um, the thing is people don't want to be paying until they're age 100. Well, the way I set these up, you could stop paying after seven or 10 years if you wanted to. You know, um, you could stop paying at age 50, age 55, 60. There's no, there's no age requirement like there is with 401ks and IRAs and such. You can, again, you can access the money right away from like the first month that you put the money in, you can access cash. But the secondly is you could stop contributing to it. You know, as long as it's after seven or 10 years, you can stop contributing to that money and just make it what they call a paid up policy where the policy stays good. It keeps growing tax free um, for the rest of your life, but you don't have to put any more money in. That is interesting. Yeah, so the last question, Chris, I have is about how is it protected from debtors, right? You mentioned about that, and I, I want to highlight that and understand. Now, how does it what? Sorry. Repeat how, does the, how does the money you invest in life insurance is protected from lawsuits, and how, how does the asset protection work? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's actual laws that, that protect your, your money in life insurance. Every state has different laws. Um, over 30 of the states have 100% protection where no one can touch anything in your life insurance. The other 20, it's varied amounts of protection still. Um, more, still more protected than you'd get with your savings account where, I mean, if somebody sues you and wins, they can get to anything in checking, savings, CDs, um, mutual funds, stocks. They can make you liquidate, you know, home equity, right? Yeah. All that stuff. Life insurance is a lot harder to do. And the reason it is because, um, in, I mean, one, because the, the people that make the laws, the congressmen, they're using these for themselves, right? I mean, this is what the wealthy are using for themselves to protect their money. Um, that's one big reason. Uh, the second thing is too, is that they, they consider it part of your death benefit. 
So the cash value that's in there, um, even though you can have access to it and everything else, just like it's a savings account, it's considered as part of your death benefit if you were to die. So um, for that reason, they'll say, well, no, you can't access that cash because you take a loan against it. You know, let's just say you have a $2 million life insurance policy um, and you have you know, a quarter million dollar loan against it. You took out 250,000. Well, if you were to die today, you know, even if you didn't pay anything on that loan, and, and of course the, the loan's a quarter million, they'll take that out of the death benefit. So that's the last, the last you can have to pay is, is, is that loan, is that death, right? So it's a $2 million life insurance and you have a quarter million dollar loan, that leaves you with your, your family one and three quarters million. Wow. So for the courts, they're gonna say, well, that's part of their death benefit, that's their life insurance. You know, that's, that's protecting their family in case of death. Because if they did a big lien against you, say it's for a million bucks, and they dipped in your cash value, well, if that leaves you with almost no death benefit, that puts your family at risk. Right. So courts have, you know, most states have said, hey, let's protect that. Or they'll say, hey, at least X amount will be protected. You know, X amount of dollars, you know, like some of the more liberal states like California, for example, might have more limited stuff, you know, but, but even then they still protect a good portion of that cash value. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, I think whole life insurance being a supercharged savings account tax, uh, tax free money and, uh, you know, protection, asset protection it provides. I, I don't think anyone can go wrong with this. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, the, the only way you go wrong is if you have somebody that, that says they're a quote unquote infinite banker and then they set it up incorrectly. Um, you'll give you an example. I was actually on a, a podcast guest on another real estate show and the guy heard me. He's like, Hey, I love that idea. Like, that's so cool. That you do that. I've actually got two policies of my own that I just set up six months ago hey, can you uh, give me a third policy? And so we're talking about it. It's like, yeah, let's, let's figure this out. And I even showed him some ways to even increase the ROI on it a little bit more than what he was originally wanting me to quote. And then I said, hey, tell me about the other policy you got like five months ago here. Um, you know, what, uh, you know what's, how much are you putting in? He's like, well, I'm putting in 25,000, you know, 24,600 a year. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. And what's it supposed to be at the end of the first year? He said, oh, it's just over 14,000. Oh, like, wow. Awesome. You know, because he's told, hey, that's over half. That's great. And I said, that is pretty good. And it was with a company that actually I, I've, I work with too. So I'm like, yeah, I know that company. They're a very good company. I said, but guess what? We could do that same thing. And I showed him the numbers. I'm like, and we can get 19,000 out of it. So pretty much it would have saved him $5,000 a year in costs, meaning 5,000 more goes in his cash value he can use right. and invest. So we're actually in the process right now of replacing that because it's like, one, not, not only can we give him more cash value, but I can actually give him a little bit more death benefit. So his family's more protected and he has more cash in that scenario. That's so, great. So yeah, it was, it was awesome. And, when we can, and even the money he does have in there so far, we can move over tax-free. So even if you have a policy that you've had for a few years, and I've had people like this with like Northwestern Mutual policies and stuff, even if they've had them for six years, we were able to move the cash over tax-free um, and, and kick the crap out of it. <laughs> That's awesome. Gets you way more cash faster. So not in every situation. There's times I'll say, nope, this is good. Don't touch it. It's great. Leave it alone. There's other times I'm like, wow, we can save you literally thousands a year, meaning you've got thousands more to invest every single year if you just structure it this way. So really the, the designer, the person that's designing it has more power or influence than, than just the product or the company that you use. Okay. That, that's a great example. So uh, thank you so much, Chris. Uh, how does my listener reach out to you? Yeah, the best thing they can do, I mean, they can email me directly. 
you can just email me, Chris with a C-H, so C-H-R-I-S at moneyripples.com. That's M-O-N-E-Y-R-I-P-P-L-E-S.com. Um, or you can even go to my website, moneyripples.com, and you can even message me through the website too. That's perfect. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, you're I so welcome. Really appreciate it. If you are enjoying Wealth Matters podcasts, please, please review on iTunes or Google Podcasts. Once you have reviewed the podcast, please email me at alpesh at wealthmatters.com to receive a free copy of my Amazon number one best-selling book, Resilience, Turning Your Setback into a Comeback. Again, my email is alpesh at W-E-A-L-T-H-M-A-T-R-S dot com. Have a great rest of your day.